Hi everyone, my name is Danny. I'm an intern here at Urban Village Church Wicker Park. That was very sexy scripture for you this morning. <laughs> Let's pray. Creator God beyond time and space, today we claim pleasure. We claim it as a gift, as something that you gave to us. In spite of what the world imposes on us, in spite of what the world tells us we can or can't do with our bodies, today we say thank you for the gift of pleasure, for the gift of sex. And we also seek guidance. How do we pursue sex and pleasure in a way that honors you? Will, you? will you show us that way, or at least give us a few hints? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the Song of Songs is, um, as you saw, uh, very sexy. Uh, it is, um, if you've never read it, a poem about a man and a woman, and they are so deeply in love with each other, and there is sometimes just pages upon pages of them describing each other's bodies, and um, it's really beautiful. Uh, it's, very, uh, it's very lusty, it's very passionate, it's very hot and heavy, um, it's very earthy and natural, and we never talked about it at church growing up because uh, I would use none of those words to describe church growing up. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, why, why is that? Um, at my church, we, uh, we were so focused on behaving a certain way, following a set of rules, and sex was something we, we just didn't talk about except for don't do it. Right. Yeah. Um, it's like in Mean Girls, don't do it in the bathroom, don't do it in, now I don't even remember. And then he's like, and then you'll get the, the clap. Um, <laughs> so, and don't do it is a perfectly reasonable way to live uh, your sexual life, and that can be life-giving too. Um, but it, that's not the case for everyone. Uh, and in fact, for many people, that perspective is hurtful because it prevents us from really living into one of the things that makes us human, which is the ability to experience pleasure and the ability to have sex. It's also in opposition in a lot of ways to the way that sex uh, is demonstrated to us in the Bible, and the Song of Songs is a perfect example of that. I mentioned it, it's an erotic love poem, um, written from the perspective of two different lovers. Uh, I, as I was reading it, which, by the way, it's very short. It's like a 15, 20-minute read, so um, I do recommend it. It's also very beautiful. Um, and the message translation is really, um, I think, gives you that poetic eroticness that, that um, is so important to it. And so I was reading it, and I was thinking, okay, if... Uh, if the books of the Bible were like different genres of music, what genre would Song of Songs be? And it was very obvious to me that it would be R&B. <laughs> um, and 
as I was reading it, there were a lot of themes that I saw throughout it that we hear in contemporary, uh, in contemporary R&B music all the time. So I'm going to give you a few examples. Let's go back to the 90s for a second. Who remembers uh, Lovers, Lovers and Friends by Usher? Yeah? OK. Which is a self-explanatory song about, um, about a man who's so excited because he is best friends, or he happens to be best friends with the woman that he loves. Um, and how awesome is that? And that is, I think, worth writing a song about. Obviously, there is, we can't talk about R&B without talking about Beyonce and Drunken Love, of course, a song about having sex that was so incredibly passionate that you woke up next morning in the kitchen and you're not sure what happened. Um, that's in chapter four of Song of Songs. <laughs> and then Hotline Bling by Drake, a uh, song about getting a text at night from that person who uh, loves you and is feeling a little lonely. Um, that's also in chapter four of Song of Songs. Um, I really liked chapter four, by the way, so <laughs> I would read that. So I mentioned these songs because they are um, songs about sexual experiences that were so memorable or valuable or beautiful um, that the authors and singers, songwriters, producers thought that it was worth making music about. And similarly, when we read the Song of Songs, it's a poem about an experience of love, a love story that's so beautiful and passionate and erotic and uh, valuable that it's worth writing about. So how do we become a people who treat sex as something worth singing about, as something worth writing about? And that might be a little bit hard because a lot of us bring with us a lot of guilt and shame when it comes to sex. Um, we all have our own baggage, as Sabrina reminded us. Um, maybe you grew up in an environment where premarital sex was taboo. Maybe you um, grew up in an environment where uh, same-gender sex is uh, looked at as wrong or disgusting, or maybe even it was illegal, is illegal. Uh, maybe you've experienced sexual violence, or maybe you identify as asexual, and because of that identity, you, uh, people don't um, engage with you in intimacy in the way that you, um, the way that makes sense for you. So the guilt and shame that comes with those, those things, that baggage, um, that's not of God. That's, um, that's of the world. In, uh, in Psalm 8, David um, is uh, kind of like shouting at the top of his lungs out into the sky, and he says, who am I that the creator of the entire universe knows my name? And the creator of the entire universe knows so much more than just our names. The creator of the entire universe knows what makes us feel good knows what gives us pleasure, knows the things we love and the things that we don't love. The creator of the entire universe cares very deeply about your sexual life, period. No debate, no questions. And so pleasure and sex are gifts, gifts from the creator to each of us individually, which we can experience as individuals in our own ways, or which we can experience uh, in relationship with one or more partners. 
So you might have known that we were going to um, talk about sex today, and you might be looking forward to uh, receiving guidance about like how do I live a uh, a sexual life that is uh, that gets rid of guilt and shame, um, but which gives me gives me guidelines, and it's great to be looking for that. Uh, that's really healthy, but. What's I think, what I think is more important and what I hope you will take out of this sermon more than anything is that our sexualities, our sexual identities, the things that give us pleasure and joy are not things to be contained. They're not something to put in a box or to build a fence around or to put in the corner, to hide in the closet. Our sexualities are gifts. You don't hide a gift in the closet. You, you unwrap it feverishly. You take it out of the box. You're so excited to experience it. And so, sex is a gift. And the world doesn't treat it like a gift. The world treats it like something that needs these, these, these walls, these fences. And the world's approach to that has been to make seemingly arbitrary rules about what you should or should not do with your body. Such as, we'll use an example, this silly concept of virginity or of purity and of, of um, keeping yourself pure until marriage, which is a great approach and which um, is, if you have experienced that, that's incredible, that's beautiful. But it's not for everyone. And um, if we think of ourselves as being, as, as having sex as something that um, causes us to f be not pure, um, that's hurtful. Uh, and then what does it even mean to be pure? Does it, like, what if you're gay and you're never going to have penis and vagina sex? Does that mean that you're just going to be a virgin forever? Does oral sex count? How many bases do I have to go until I've lost my purity? Like, once you really start to think about the, these things, they just, they don't really make a lot of sense. And they miss the point. The point being that sex has the ability to manifest joy in our lives, and it has the ability to manifest joy in our lives in so many different ways. And that's different for different people. Um, I, will, I will add that as I was writing this sermon, I kept thinking about like the things that give me pleasure and, and how I try to live into those things. And one of those things that I just couldn't stop thinking about was pizza. Um, and I was just like, like, you know, I just need to like, ha like allow myself the pleasure of eating pizza. Or like, I don't know. I don't know what that says about me, but um, pleasure is pleasure, whether it's pizza or sex. Um, so uh, this isn't to say that, the that there shouldn't be rules about how to govern sex. And there are some things that we know are wrong. We know rape is wrong. We know infidelity is wrong. We know other things that cause harm or violence in an emotional or physical way without consent are wrong. But the majority of the things that we need guidance with uh, in our sexual lives are not so blatantly wrong, right? These are things that occupy a gray area, things like pornography, um, things like uh, using apps to find hookups, things like um, Let's see, what are some examples? 
should, should I date someone who isn't a Christian? That might be really important to you. Um, is my relationship still real even if we aren't having sex, either because I identify as asexual or because um, maybe the, the flame is, is dying out a little bit? Those are all, the, those are all gray areas that we can look to Jesus for guidance for. And I will say, I'm probably not going like, to give you the answer today. Like, you're not going to, I don't think you will walk away with like, this is right and this is wrong when it comes to some of those gray areas. Um, because, and my goal is not really to give you those answers. My goal is to help you um, start having those conversations with God and figure those things out for yourself. So how do we, how do we begin? Um, many of you will be familiar with uh, the greatest commandment that Jesus uh, gave in the Gospels. Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So we'll take those as um, sort of foundations for a Christian se sexual ethic. So love God. Um, this one is this one is kind of confusing. This one uh, is or it's difficult to apply to sex because what does it mean for God to um, be a part of your sex life? What does it mean to invite God into your sex life? That almost feels a little bit creepy, right? Yeah, exactly. First service, everyone's like, "This is creepy." Um, it's creepy because sex is so intimate. Whether it's you yourself or you and someone else. Um, the idea of inviting God in, it's like a third person, like what, is it going to like watch us from the sky or um, what does that mean? Uh, it's confusing and I think that's an area for all of us to explore on our own. Um, as I've been reflecting on it this week and I was, um, I was talking to Hannah about this, uh, something that, I, that really spoke to me was that um, because sex and because pleasure are gifts from God, that means that I want to um, treat them the way you might treat a gift. So I want to bring a sense of gratitude to it. Um, and that means that uh, that means things like not uh, not being like, "Oh, I'm too lazy for sex tonight," or that means um, that means coming to bed with the intention of um, being in love and expressing that love and not just defaulting to, uh, to the usual play-by-play, -play, which is so easy to, to do when you're in a um, relationship. It means bringing intention to sex. It means uh, being open to uh, the uh, possibility that uh, sex tonight might be completely different from everything we've ever done. And wouldn't that be so amazing? And in fact, it is, right? We know that God's mercies are new every morning. We know that's true. And so why wouldn't God's mercies be new in sex every morning or every night? For me, it's about bringing intention and gratitude to the experience of pleasure, to the experience of sex. But that doesn't, that doesn't have to be what it means for you to invite God into your sex life. And I would encourage you all to kind of ask yourself, what might that mean? And if you're maybe fighting a little bit with that, that's, that's okay, that's, that's healthy. Um, keep, keep asking yourself these questions. 
So that was love God. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And now love your neighbor, which I think is the more obvious of the, of the, of the greatest commandments, in, at least in terms of applying it to, uh, to your sex life. It's about um, loving your neighbor is, well, I'll say, it's a little bit confusing because the, uh, there's different levels of love with different partners that you've had, right? If you are having a sexual partner that is just a one-night stand, you might not be at the point where you say you love them. Um, if it's a partner who you've been together with for decades, uh, that level of love is, is going to be really different. It's going to be much stronger. Um, but what does it mean to treat someone with love uh, during sex? Isn't, sometimes we conflate the two. Um, as this was something else I was talking to Hannah about with, and some, something that really resonated with me was this, is this idea of affirming that the other person or people um, are God's children, are whole and beautiful people, are uh, individual works of art crafted by the creator of the universe. And affirming that in yourself, coming to uh, coming to, to uh, a sexual encounter, um, affirming that you are both beautiful creatures of God. Um, and there is, there's, that's a little bit uh, maybe fluffy, but here's a few uh, sort of guidelines you can use to kind of tell, like, are you treating someone as a whole person? Or are you treating them as an object? Are you treating yourself as a whole person? Or are you treating yourself as an object? First of all, uh, are you enjoying yourself? Are you experiencing joy? Is this something that's making you feel good? Um, it's easy to get into uh, a situation where either you are um, not enjoying yourself because you didn't uh, kind of set expectations beforehand, or maybe you're not enjoying yourself because you've been doing the same thing for decades. Um, so find ways to bring joy into your sex life because that's something that God wants us to experience. Covenant. Is there a covenant attached to uh, this encounter? And the covenant sounds like, you know, am I committed to this person for the rest of my life? Um, which some people do make those kinds of covenants and they, um, and they use sex as a way to... Uh, to formalize that. That doesn't have to be the case. You can make, you can find yourself in a covenant that says, um, I just met you on Grindr, and you are a whole person, a child of God, and I am a whole person, a child of God, and tonight we will explore what that means. Um, you don't have to say it like that, because that'd be like, <laughs> you'll probably not get a response. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it gets super obvious on Grindr too, though, right? It's like, it's like, what's your position? How What's your size? What are your preferences? What's your height, weight? I mean, um, to some extent, that's that's um, that's healthy because at least we are being transparent with each other about um, what we're looking for. But it's also unhealthy because it turns us into objects. So joy and covenant. And then the last one is consent. Um, 
consent meaning uh, have you actively asked your partner what they want? Not consent, we've had a few drinks and we both are kind of feeling a little handsy. Not consent, she said no, but we're playing. Active, do you want to have sex in this way, consent. We see all of that in the poem, in, in Song of Songs. Joy in a, in a way that um, is maybe not expressed as strongly anywhere else in the Bible. Joy, which is expressed through pages about describing how beautiful this woman is. Joy in the sense that a woman is, uh, and a man are both inviting each other to enjoy the fruits of each other's garden. Covenant, in that they are in, you know, and if you read this you'll know, they're in a long distance relationship, but their, their promise to each other is so strong that they are dreaming about each other. Their promise is so strong that they go out at night in the streets looking for each other. That's a level of covenant that um, some of us might have, and that's awesome. Um, it's okay if you, if, you don't have, if you don't have a covenant like that. And then consent in the sense that they are both equally engaged in this sexual relationship. And what's, what's really awesome about it, I think, is that they are um, equally... Uh, likely to um, initiate sex throughout the poem. So often it's, there's this perception that um, men are the ones that have to initiate, or that women, as Sabrina shared, that women aren't able to get horny. Um, and in the Song of Songs, we see that, um, we see a different story, which is a woman who is just as passionately uh, attracted to her partner as the man. So there are ways to, um, to do hookups that might be holy if they have joy and covenant consent, if they treat the other person, or if you treat the other person like the child of God that they are, if you bring an intention to that experience to say that this isn't just something I'm going to do tonight, but this is an exploration this is an exciting adventure. This is, um, this is me opening up to someone. But there's also ways in which a grinder or Tinder hookup uh, can hurt someone. I'm sure plenty of you have either personally experienced or seen your friends experience this, where they find themselves in a um, friends with benefit kind of relationship that's very unclear. Um, what the extent of it is, what level of commitment is going on, and so someone always ends up being hurt. Um, those, are, uh, those are relationships that have some level of sin in them, not because they are uh, having premarital sex or because they're having sex in certain positions or whatever it might be, but because the two people involved are not being, uh, or are hurting each other and are not treating each other like the beautiful children of God that they are. Um, so in the Song of Songs, there's kind of an, uh, a warning. The woman is speaking to her sisters, and she says, uh, let me warn you, my sisters, don't excite love until you're ready. Don't excite love until you're ready, which sounds like a warning. I mean, she explicitly says, let me warn you. So it is a warning. Um, but it, it sounds almost like a, a threat, 
And I think it's not really a threat, it's more an invitation. Because what I'm reading from it is that um, love is so thrilling, it's so passionate, it's so exciting, that if you're not ready for it, you might get hurt. And that's true of sex too. Sex is su such a uh, pleasurable feeling. It's such a, uh, a passionate and exciting thing. And it has so much potential to cause pain if you're not ready for it. So that is love your neighbor. Treat your neighbor like the child of God that they are. And finally, there's love yourself. And this is the one that we always forget to talk about when it comes to talking about the greatest commandments because we talk about um, the love your neighbor part. In this community especially, we you know, are so service and justice oriented. We give of ourselves to each other and to the community um, that we care for and we forget to care for ourselves. And actually, the woman in the Song of Songs um, knows what that's like. So in the, in the scripture that we read today, right, she says, um, my brothers were angry with me, and so they made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I did not keep. That is, I, frequently I find myself in situations like that where I, I have been putting so much time and effort into my work, into UVC, and I don't put time and effort into myself. But what's cool about uh, the woman in the poem is that she's okay with it. She acknowledges it. She acknowledges that there are forces acting outside of her that force her to, uh, to do certain things or to behave a certain way. But then she says, I am black and beautiful. I am black and beautiful anyway. I think that's what joy looks like. Joy isn't when everything is perfect in life. Joy isn't uh, in the context of sex when sex is great all the time. Joy is when you acknowledge that there are constraints or things in your life that are maybe not perfect or which uh, have been imposed on you, and you say, I am beautiful anyway. And so when it comes to loving ourselves in the context of sex, we can do the same thing. For many of us, especially if we are uh, gay or women, a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of rules have been imposed on us about what is or isn't okay. And a lot of people have reacted to different levels of our um, sex lives with reactions ranging from disgust to hate to, um, to oppression. And so is there a way for you to stand up and say, I am beautiful anyway, in the face of all of those things? There is, and one of those ways, one of those really important ways that we can do that is through exploring our own sexual uh, interests and preferences and fetishes personally. The great thing about uh, pleasure, is, uh, pleasure when it comes to sex is that we don't need a partner. We have ourselves. And how often are women told that, they, that when women masturbate that that is gross or wrong? Who, we all grew up with that. Um, it's a part of our culture, it's a part of our, it's in our movies, it's in our TV shows. Uh, but that's wrong. That's in fact one of the, the, the most exciting ways that we can learn to love ourselves, is to learn um, what are the things that we are excited about, what are the things that, that get us off.
So love God. Let the creepy guy upstairs into your sex life. Um, love your neighbor and love yourself. Um, easier said than done. And this is, this is all so much, right? This is because sex is so much. Um, we've talked about a lot today because there is a lot of different kinds of sex out there in the world. And um, 40 years ago during the sexual revolution, things changed. Um, and we started to be opening up to new sexual identities and behaviors, preferences. And uh, 400 years ago, something similar happened. And 4,000 years ago, something similar happened. We'll never be in a place where we have been fully um, uh, liberated because God continues to move in the world. And God has moved in the world to the point where we are today a community that can celebrate married and LGBT members of our community. And in the future, how much more liberated will we be? So I want to end with a question, which is, um, what was the last gift that you received? And how did you treat that gift? Did you uh, feverishly open it up? Did you uh, immediately take it out of the box and put it on or um, go for a ride or whatever, the, whatever it was? Were you so excited about it that you uh, expressed gratitude to whoever gave it to you? Is there a way to treat sex like that? Is there a way to look at sex not as something that you hide in the corner or in your closet but something that you are maybe so excited about that you feverishly open up the box and you jump right in? Is there a way to think of sex as something that you're grateful for? Is there a way to make sex something that you look forward to, not something that you're trying to build fences around? And is there a way to live into whatever that means for you? For some people, it might mean living a life that's asexual. For some people, it might mean um, spending time at Steamworks in Boys Town. I'm not going to tell you what the right approach is, but I will send you off hoping that you bring intention to whatever your experiences of sex are. Amen.